Scarantino, and this is the Get the Fuck Off podcast. Every week, I'm going to be talking about a new topic to help you guys get the fuck off the shit that doesn't serve you anymore. But first, let me tell you a little bit about me. I used to work as a bartender, and I lived in the New York City bar scene. I smoked between a pack or two a day, and I was what you'd call quite overweight. I learned that the secret to adopting a healthy lifestyle is a series of mindset shifts. Unfortunately, they don't always come with an owner's manual, so I decided to start this podcast to give you guys the nuts and bolts without you having to do all the research on your own. Getting healthy does not mean you have to sacrifice your outstanding personality, and it actually can be quite a fun journey. I'm really excited to have you guys on that journey with me. Let's get off together. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Get the Fuck Off podcast. I am here with Shannon J. Curtin. I'm so excited to have her here. She has just launched her new website, shannonjcurtin.com, but she's been writing a really long time. So she's published two chapbooks on poetry. She's been writing. She's the only person that I know that's ever been published in The New Yorker. She has written a lot of short humor. She's written. I'm just so excited that she's here because she also is launching a course. And this is your first course. Is that correct? It is very first one. And this is finding the 25th hour it's called. And you were just telling me about it. She was telling me about this. We'd had a short conversation before we sat down to record this. It's pretty relevant to a lot of my listeners. So I know that we talked about mindset in the beginning. You were talking about that's the first part of the course. So I'm going to let you take it from here. And I'm so excited to hear about it. And let's just jump into it. Tell me about finding the 25th hour. Sure. Well, Finding the 25th Hour is my first digital course, and it is about two hours of material covering three subject areas. So we start out with mindset, which is something I think your listeners are very into. And then we focus on actually digging in and finding time. So we go through time blocking and fringe hours and how to institute rhythms and routines into your schedule to get your time back. And then we finish off with really how to dive in and get started and get out of your own way and how to find a community that will keep you going. Um, And then I also have thrown in as a bonus, a little module about how to relish uh, rejection because I love talking about rejection and getting rejected. I think it's so great. And people don't seem to like it as much as I do. So I thought that in. (laughs) I wanted to, okay. Do you want to talk about that first? Cause let me tell you, it (laughs) took me, I'm thinking, well, how old am I now? I'm going to be 36 very soon. And it took me so long to be able to figure out that rejection is a good thing. And I know that you've written about this a lot. I've been following you on Instagram for a really long time. And I know you've written about this before and Please, please help, help all of the people on this topic, because this is so personal for so many of us. Sure. Well, to kind of get into that, I I teach a a course at my local writer center, which is how to submit your work to magazines and literary journals, because I've been doing that for, I don't know, 10 years now, I guess. So I kind of know the lay of the land, and I really give people a blueprint to do it themselves. But all of my students are afraid of getting rejected. And they will ask me, well, like, how do I not get rejected? Well, you're gonna, you have to just get rejected. You're going to get rejected. Like it's going to happen. And 
so I try and shift their perspective because number one, rejection most of the time is not this, not now. It's not, not you, not ever. And I think that's where people get stuck is they think it's a rejection of them. They think it's a rejection. You know, you're one and done and you're, it, it's over and give up. And that's not how it works, right? Like it's just not this, not right now. And to me, rejection as a writer, especially, is proof that I'm doing the thing. Like if I am not getting rejected, I'm not doing my job of putting things out in the world. And the only way to get an acceptance is to know that you're going to get rejected. So what about um, your I, students? I, so are they of all ages? <laughs> are they young? Or are they like, tell me about what, what they're like. Oh, sure. Um, so I've been teaching classes at the Muse Writer Center in Norfolk now for ever. And the majority of our, our students are retiree age. So I'm usually teaching people who are much older than me. Um, as I get older, they're getting closer <laughs> to my so, own age. So I was wondering about that. And that's why I was asking. And I don't want to like cut you off. But so people that are that, that age, that are, are close to retirement, have lived their whole lives, are afraid of rejection. Yeah, it's weird. Um, they, but they are. And I think especially novices. You know, we, when we're new at something, we are just so afraid. There's so much imposter syndrome. I can't, you know, if I get rejected, that means that I'm right. And I am not a writer or I'm not this or, or whatever. And so they don't take that step because they're just too afraid of the, the possible rejection to even do the thing they say they want to do. And, you and I'll might. tell you, Andy, there's so many of my students who go through my class and then I will follow up with them six months later and they won't have submitted anything because they're just still stuck there. They're just too afraid of, of taking the chance of being vulnerable because it's all about vulnerability. Yeah. I talked about that in the last episode of my podcast with Emily Rose about like how rejection is such a painful thing for people. Like they, they don't want to feel the thing that they're going to, they think they're going to feel when they get that that letter or when they get that whatever. And, and maybe they just weren't even right for that particular thing. And I think a lot of my listeners kind of go through that where they, they don't want to step into their new identity because they're like, well, well, what if these new people don't accept me? Like, well, what if this new community doesn't accept me? And it's like, well, well, they might not. And, and, and that's okay. <laughs> that's okay that they don't. You publish, you've published a ton of stuff. You're always writing. And you're also, you're just a, a superhuman. You're a mom. You're working full time. <laughs> yes. Complete superhuman. So how did you initially and how do you continuously get over that hump of, yeah, this is going to happen. Like, I guess right now it's probably old hat, but like in the beginning, how did you get yourself to that point? Like when you're teaching your students, this particular thing, how'd you get to that point where you're like, you know, what? I don't give a fuck. I'm just going to, I'm just going to do the damn thing. I'm just going to push, put myself out there into the world. Right. Well, actually I tell this story in my classes because I have been taking classes at the muse for longer than I've been teaching there. Um, but I moved to the area right after I got engaged to my husband and I was here 400 miles away from everyone else I knew and I had really nothing happening. 
I jumped in and I was like, I'm going to take some classes. I used to write, I'll, I'll go back. And I was in class with this poet who I had read some of her stuff and I, I wasn't really impressed with her stuff. Mm. And then she announces that she's getting something published. I'm like, well, God damn it. If she can do it, like, <laughs> I know <laughs> then I can do it too. And so I just, you know, I jumped in because I'm like, you know what, if, if these people who I, you know, I'm at least as good as them, right? Like I can, I can do this. And then it was just a lot of goal setting. Really. I started having this goal where if something got rejected, I had to send it right back out the same day. So I had to have, you know, a list of possible places it could go. I, and I still do that. You know, as soon as something gets rejected, I'm like, okay, where, where can I shop it next? Because I love it. It's not, it's never a no. It's always a not, not here, not, not yet. Right. So, and that's kind of a process goal as well. Like I talk a lot to my clients about this, about process goals versus long-term goals. Like what's your long-term goal? I want to publish this book. Okay. Well, what's your process goal? Because your process goal is going to get you there a hundred times faster. So you get rejected that day. You're, the process is I'm rejected this day. I send it back out. That's process. Not my goal is to get published. But what does that even mean? Like, well, how does that even, how does that even go? And you just submitted your novel. Is that correct? Like you just, I will start tomorrow. Um, I have a, this is the second novel I've written and the first one I'm going to try and get published, but it's funny, like the process goal thing. I think sometimes we forget that we don't have to do it the same way everyone else does it. Cause the first novel I wrote, I, you know, I had one child, but he was very small and I knew I wanted to write a novel and I turned 30 and that was, you know, time is a big thing. Okay. Here's a goal. I'm going to tie it to my birth, my birthday. We're going to get it done. I'm, I'm going to finish a first draft. And I thought about doing the national novel writing month thing, but that's 50,000 words you have to write in a month. And it's in November. November. So you have, yeah. yeah, you have Thanksgiving on top of that. I'm like, this isn't, I don't have that kind of time, but I did the math and it also works out to 400 words a day, five days a week for six months. And 400 words a day is like two paragraphs. I had time for that. And so that was my process then. So I met that goal by figuring out a process that was going to work for me that kept moving me forward. Mm-hmm. That's really a powerful and it's important. It's important because I think that's what people get tied to outcome and they don't get tied to process. So they're like, okay, well, I want this to happen. And this could be like anybody that's listening to this pod- pod- bleh, podcast. <laughs> I'm doing a lot of tripping on my words today. If you guys, you guys don't even know Shannon's had to listen to me, but um, a lot of people just want they, they just want the end and they don't think about the how, like, okay, well, what am I going to do? Cause the present moment really is all we have. Like we don't have the past is, is, is over with. I mean, so that's just a story and whatever's going to happen in the future, that's just a story. So we're just stuck with what we have right now. What we have right now is actually what we're doing right now. Like you and I talking right now, right. this is part of a process. Yeah. Your process and my process are different processes, but we're still, we are engaging in process. And I love that you mentioned, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. You looks like you had something oh, to say to that. Well, while you're talking, I, I think sometimes we, we focus on the first success and then we, we forget that then there's the what now and mm-hmm. without a process to back it up, you know, you, you run your first marathon and then you stop running because you met that goal, you know, like where, what is the process? Why are you really doing the thing you're doing or the thing you say you want to do? Because if you don't know why you're doing it every day, once you meet that goal, then what is, why is it your goal? 
you know, because eventually you're going to meet it and then you're going to be lost because you've accomplished something. And now what? I love that. Say more about if you could, do you, do you see that a lot? I see that a lot with runner. Like when I used to take running clients, I don't really have running clients any, um, anymore. I have one. And I, I used to see that where people would get to that point and then they would be like, okay, I've done this physical activity. And then that would be, that would be kind of it. And then they would fall off of running and then they would try to come back to running and then it would be hard for them. And I would always say, well, what's your why? Like, what's your why? What's the, your why is huge. Do you have any tips for people in terms of how to discover that? Because that is really what's going to. Yeah, I think I, unfortunately, I think a lot of it is trial and error because, you know, I fell into the same trap. I trained and did a half marathon. And then through that process, I learned, I really don't enjoy this. And the benefit Mm -hmm. it's giving me is not, I can find that a different way. You know, like I can find other activities that I don't hate every minute of (laughs) to, to, that will give me the same, you know, why results, like why I was doing it was to be you know, a healthy and fit individual, but I'm not going to do something to get to a goal that I hate the process of, because that doesn't make any sense. So I think a lot of it is just trying some things and figuring it out. In my course, I talk about, you know, priorities. I think a lot of us tend to not take the time to just sit with ourselves and figure out what really matters to us. Like, where are you on your priority list? All these things you say you want to do that you're not making time for. Is it because you struggle to find the time or is it just not really your priority and you want it to be, but it's not, you know, and that's something that you have to really look at in yourself and get really honest. Cause sometimes we realize like, that's just not something I want to do. I want to want to do it, but I don't really want to do it. You don't really want to do it. I had this conversation just recently. I had, I mean, it's so interesting. You use the word priorities and how these kind of, I get these little things that sync with my life. I was going to take this second part of a course that I took and I wanted to do it. Eh, Did I want to do it? I don't know. I mean, I I (laughs) wanted to do it in theory, kind of like you're saying, I wanted to do it. But it was going to cost some money, which money usually for me isn't a problem. Um, if I really want to do something, I will spend the money. And I was fi- I was using the money as an excuse. I was like, okay, like, is it the money really? And then I realized I wanted to do something totally different. And I, so I, I spoke with the person that was going to be leading this. And I said, you know, I would really love to spend the money. I think that what you're going to teach is invaluable. But what I really want to do more is in November, I want to go on a cross-country road trip. So I'm just, I'm not going to do this. And she said, you know, it's okay, Andy. This obviously isn't your priority right now. She's like, and that's not a bad thing. And I was like, you're right. It's not a bad thing. And I think when people, you say to somebody, this isn't your priority, those people are often inclined to say, oh, how dare you? And it's like, maybe it just isn't. Like maybe it just isn't (laughs) and it's okay. Like it's okay. Like you said, you don't want to hate the process of doing something every minute of every day. Like if it's not your priority, that doesn't, not everything can be your priority. And we, I think we get stuck in doing so many things that are not our priority and, and like things that we hate, especially women. I feel like we spend a lot of time worrying about shit that does not matter to anybody. And we like build it up in our head and we're like, oh my gosh, what are they going to think if I have clutter on my stairs? Nobody cares. Like, why work? Why, why are you spending the time and mental energy and, and 
Like, don't worry about it. Nobody cares. But we, we lose the mental time. And that's something I talk about in my course too. It's not just your, your day. Cause you put out your day, right? And I think you talked about this in one of your podcasts where if you have an appointment, you spend all day thinking about it and the appointment's yeah. only like an hour, right? And we do the same thing with like our weekly household tasks that we think about, oh my gosh, I have to unload the dishwasher. Just do it. Stop thinking about it and yeah. just do it. And then you can release it. It's gone. <laughs> we got to get into this. So you wanted to talk about this. I want to talk about this. I have talked about this, but it's always good to talk to somebody else that has mastered this art because I did talk about how, if you have an appointment, it sucks up your whole damn day. Um, cause it, and I, I have let that go. Um, a friend of mine was talking about job interviews, same thing. Like he was just, I think I might've even said it in that episode about how it used to take him whole, a whole day of preparation and mental preparation. And then he was banging out four job interviews a day. And how much time do we spend thinking about, I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to. And it's like, okay, like Jesus Christ, you could have done the damn thing. I have a schedule right now. That's impossible. You are a human that obviously has a schedule. That's impossible. You work a full-time job. You're writing all of the time. You're raising two little kids. So, you know, and I don't have kids, so I can imagine how busy I feel. Imagine having kids on top of that. How do you, so you were talking about time, time management, all of that, you get into it in your course. You've obviously been executing it in your own life. You obviously work with people and have been working with people through your teaching on this. Right. Lay it on me. Like, give me, <laughs> give me everything. Give me all the tips. Give me the stories. Give me everything. I want to hear because people struggle, Shannon. They oh, struggle. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's hard. And I'm not immune to it. Right. Like I will lose an hour to Instagram scrolling every so often. Too. Like it's, it's fun, but like, that's fine. I don't care. That makes me happy. I'm okay to lose, to use my time that way. I shouldn't say lose because I'm choosing to do it. Right. So that's number one. It's like, what are you choosing to spend your time doing and really look at that. And then you have your priorities. We talked about that. And then we, you have your absolutely have to do them right? Like we don't really want to have to get gas every week and buy groceries and do the laundry, but we have to work it into the day. And I try and automate as many things as possible. So on my lunch break, while I was feeding myself today, I was making lunches for the rest of the week because everything was already out. I might as well just knock it out, get it done. I find one or two things that I like and I stick with it and it doesn't bother me. I'd rather just know it's done than have to spend the time thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And you know, something else I do is just like laundry every day. I have a washer and dryer in my house. So it makes no sense for me not to do a load every day when I can just take minutes, a five minute task rather than it being like a two hour weekend suck time fest. So that, those are our big ones. And then just using these little pockets of time in the best ways possible. We all have times where we're waiting. Like at work, I have a notebook that I bring that has everything in it. And in those five, 10 minutes where people are coming in and doing the chit chat thing and oh, how was your weekend? I can be like scribbling down ideas. Like I use every time that is not used by somebody else that's mine. <laughs> so if you're going to waste my time with the 10 minutes of chit chat before we're actually here to talk about whatever we're here to talk about, I'm going to be using that, right? The same thing with, like, I read a lot. I, I read novels as much as possible. 
because I'm trying to write one and I need to immerse myself in the world I'm trying to get into. And I'll stand at the stove and like simmering things takes a while. You, can, <laughs> you don't have to just stare at the fridge. I read a chapter or two. Whenever I hang out with my children, and I think this is something people with little kids get stuck on sometimes, they don't care what you're doing if you are with them most of the time. So my two-year-old wants to watch Frozen for the upteenth millionth time. I don't have to watch the damn movie with her, but I sit there and I do whatever I need to do. I answer emails on my phone. I'm, you know, jotting notes down. I'm taking care of, you know, correspondence for whatever it is. And just putting those little fringe hours of time together, you can accomplish a lot, right? Like I, Mm -hmm. for years, wrote mostly on my lunch break and after I clocked out and before I left. And that was it. Because that's, that was like the time I could concentrate because I had tiny babies. And when I was home, there was just no way until they went to bed. And I didn't want to spend my one hour by myself doing that at that point in time. And, you know, you can, you can write a whole book in 15 minutes a day, but you have to actually do it. (laughs) Yeah. And you have to make yourself, you know, do that process and be able to have that. And I don't think, and I think this is, and I don't want to confuse anybody by saying that you're not necessarily present in your life. It's just, if something is innocuous, like you just don't want to participate in it. You shouldn't have to, like if, if people are making small talk and you don't want to, and you would rather organize something in your notebook. I think that that's fair. Like, and I, I, I actually, people who know me well know that I hate the sentence that's fair or the phrase that's fair, fair enough, but this is totally fair. Like it's totally fair that people will stand around and, you know, they'll, they'll either sit quietly and be on their phone or they'll, they'll have a, a short little dialogue about the weather. You know, how many times is something happening? I'm looking out my window. Nobody can see this. How many times is something happening that's really that we really need to discuss? Right. Like, and I'm not, you know, if if my coworker or my child asks me a question, I'm going to answer them. But you know, there's always those little pockets of time where you're like, you just want me here. I'm here. Okay. Yeah, you know, because you don't need because you don't have a, a use for watching Frozen for the fiftieth <laughs> time, and you know it, that your presence during that is enough. Right, and that's amazing. But I love the brain power thing that you talk about—the amount of brain power that we use, like for making lunch. Like mm-hmm. I think people don't really think about things like that. People that say I have so little time in my life if you can just take those small activities and crunch them, all of a sudden you'll find yourself with like, it's seemingly free days because you're not occupying so much space. Where did you, what was the thing that happened in your life that led you to that awareness? Honestly, I kind of grew up in it. My mom would tell you that she's like the busiest human on the planet. And she used to say, if I am not too busy, no one else is because she had like three jobs and four children and, you know, her own interests and and life outside of things. And I don't remember there ever being a time where she was like, no, I can't make that happen. If she wanted to, you know, she was just, and a lot of these things too, I think we assume they have to be solo things. Like it's just our shit to deal with but she was the master of getting other people involved 
in like the minutia of life so that it was kind of pulling double duty. Like we would, I, she would spend quality time with me going to the grocery store because then I was away from all of my brothers and we were getting something done, but it wasn't like she had to come and sit by my bed and talk to me for 10 minutes because we did that, you know? And there's a lot of stuff like that. I think we, especially in our social interactions where so much as adults, it's, it circles around restaurants and bars, which is not the best place for us to have our social lives really. Yeah. Like healthy individuals. But we never think to, to say like, hey, Andy, I have to go to the Walmart and the drugstore. Do you want to come and just like hang out and talk to me while we like I do this thing? And, you know, maybe we'll get a fancy water later. Like, you know, yeah, <laughs> there's because you're going to be driving. You're going to be driving to Walmart in the, in the store. Yeah. And instead, you know, we, we plan these big. Well, oh, oh, I have to go to dinner with Andy because I haven't seen her in six months. Like, well, do you really like, sure, that's fine, but it, it's not the only way to do it. Mm-hmm. This is interesting for just, I was just thinking about the people that listen to the podcast that are trying to stop drinking. Cause I stopped drinking as you know, and I started, I stopped drinking and I still continue to go to bars for a short time, but then COVID hit. And so I got kind of got lucky in that I didn't have to really do that for that long. The whole world stopped. And while during COVID, one of my best friends also got, he, he stopped drinking as well. So we're both sober and we didn't have much else to do because there was nothing open. So we started just doing a lot of that stuff. My mother and I actually go to the grocery store still like, and and she jokes with me because, you know, um, I grew up in Northeast Pennsylvania and there's not a hell of a lot to do in Northeast Pennsylvania. And when I go to visit her, she'll usually pick me up from the bus and she'll be like, okay, well, I guess we're going to go to Price Chopper and we're going to go to Rite Aid. And this is when people ask, oh, what did you, you and your mom do? Well, we went to the grocery store and we, we went to, this is real and, and it's, and it's real. And my friend and I kind of same thing here. Like, well, if he gets out of work and I work kind of in the same neighborhood right now, we will, we'll go for, I, I'm one of my part-time jobs. Same thing. We'll, we'll go for a walk. We'll have coffee in the park. We'll walk to, if we have to run an errand here, or we have to run an errand here, or he's going to be walking, do something here. We'll do that. And it's not, it's not so bar and restaurant focused like right. people it, get it's not Go that ahead, expensive sorry. either right like then you're you're saving a ton of money as well <laughs> you're yeah. not for nothing but and I think you know one of the things I, I talk about in my course because I have a lot of people who will tell me you know I want to be more creative but I don't know exactly what I want to do and I've tried a couple of things and I have lots of interests and this gets back to that idea of like taking your friends and going because I tell people to look at what you did when you were in like upper elementary school middle school and that's when we did all these things right we're like okay well let's go walk to the corner store because we're 12 and we have nothing else to do but those friendships are are such a bond because of that like you spend so much downtime having to just talk to somebody else and spend a lot of time with them and I think that kind of period in our life is, is just full of the stuff that we as people liked to do that we kind of forget about when we get to be adults. We have like other responsibilities and other people 
telling us what we should want to do. So I always, I, you know, I tell people, go back. What did you do alone on a Sunday night in your room when you were 10? Because maybe that's going to give you some in, insight to what you might want to do now as an adult. She says that they have no hobbies because that's such a huge thing. I know so many people yeah. I'm like, well, my hobby is, I guess, Netflix. That's not a hobby. <laughs> no, that's a distraction. This is a gr- this is actually a really great thing to talk about um, on this particular podcast because people do when people are struggling, and for for this for my audience especially because I think my audience struggles a lot with distractions, and Netflix is a distraction, and going to bars is a distraction, and even going out to eat with people is a distraction. And when you talk about going back to those those younger years, I see this a lot with, and it was myself. I read it in a book when I stopped drinking about the social thing about how we need people to, we need to drink to feel looser around people. Well, we didn't always, we didn't always, when we were 10, we didn't need that. And when we were 10, we kind of had a pretty clear idea of who we were. And then as we get older, we develop this, we, we write stories, not write like you write, but write like mentally write. We mentally write stories about who we believe we are. And we add to those. And that's like our creation of our ego. And we make this big thing. And then we get lost under all the layers that we've constructed. And then we're stuck and we don't know anything. And we're like, what the, what the hell? And I went through this whole, this whole process. I think if you listen to my stuff, you probably know. And I was like, oh shit. I'm a person that has no hobbies. And I'm like, well, what the fuck did I like to do before? <laughs> and, and believe it or not, I mean, as we're sitting here doing this, I fucking, I studied communications. You know, that. like I, I used to do this for fun. Like I used to record <laughs> audio for fun. And I was like, oh, but you just forget. You just forget. Right. Like you have that little, that, you know, that little girl that did whatever the hell. And then she goes and gets married and has kids and creates all these friendship circles and all of this. And then that all gets lost because somebody else's needs and the whole dynamic of a family starts to play in. And then all of that, like, what do I really like? That all. Even people who, you know, don't have children or a family, you see this with people who their job becomes their identity, right? And then something happens and they lose that job and now they don't know who they are anymore. And we aren't those things that we put on ourselves for years and years and years. And that's, it it sucks. Like we introduce ourselves that way all the time. Like, Hey, I'm Shannon and I do this. Well, okay, great. Well, who are you? That's not who you are. It's what you do. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we have to kind of dig that self back out of all those things that we've kind of piled on ourselves over the years. And it's, it's not easy, but it's, doable. And you, so you talk about it in your course. So is this something that you had to do, or is this something that you just see your students doing or over the course of time? You I, teaching? So I see my students do it more. I think I probably have done it to a lesser degree. I'm still a work in progress. I'm still trying to figure out some things about myself, but I do try and come back. And I've always been pretty introspective and annoyingly so sometimes I've been writing on the internet forever and I'm sure you can find some really terrible angsty introspective blog posts somewhere that is just because I struggled a lot with like the quarter life crisis type situation where I got 25 yeah I got out (laughs) of like college and now I'm 
married and I'm living somewhere where I don't know anybody. And I was like, who the fuck am I besides like my husband's wife now? Like, that's not cool. I don't want to be that. So who am I and what do I want to be? And I think that kind of started my writing career because I looked and I said, well, I've always liked words and writing and reading. And so I'll, you know, get back to that because that's something that I've liked forever. And in a decade, I've made, you know, a, a bit of a career out of it. So it's working out pretty well. Yeah, you really have. So just because I think, I think you deserve to brag a little. Tell everybody about all of your writing, like everything you've published. Like, I want to hear about it. My listeners want to hear about it. <laughs> sure. Uh, well, I've done, I started doing poetry. That's kind of where I feel the most comfortable. So that's where I started. And I published poems. And then eventually I got enough poems published that I could put together a chapbook. And I submitted it and it got accepted and then published. So I published a chapbook called Violet Cabinet Heart in 2014. And then the very next year, I wrote a chapbook length collection of poems in a month when I was pregnant with my first child. And that turned into my second chapbook was published and that's Motherland. And then since then, I've kind of been dabbling. I did some personal essays. I did some kind of hybrid weird pieces. And then I kind of in the last year or two have really fallen into short humor, which has been a lot of fun. And uh, I got something, I got some work published in McSweeney's. And then last July, I got a piece accepted to the New Yorker, which was a super cool highlight. I and just thought that was awesome. It's so <laughs> it was fun. So it awesome. Was it's my day. <laughs> my well, year. <laughs> just so everybody knows, like, I think you have a, a higher likelihood of, I don't even know, the, the likelihood of getting published in the New Yorker is like almost nothing. So it's just amazing. It's like, just, it's so cool. And I remember seeing that. Um, you've just been working like so hard. I mean, and that's so awesome. And do you feel, because we're talking right now about time and we're talking about all of that kind of stuff. Do you feel like you don't have any time or do you feel like your life is full of time? I have a ton of time. There's, there's evenings where I fall into the like Netflix and Instagram because I realize I don't have anything left on my to-do list. Like I'm a person who finishes a to-do list every day. I write one in the morning and I finish it by the end of the day. And it, it's taken me years to figure out like what's possible and what I can do and what works for me mentally and, and physically. But I have it down to a science now. And I start every day with the to-do list. I put everything on there. And then, you know, I love checking off those little blocks. So it keeps me motivated through the day. Because I think sometimes we, we step away from work and we forget to think anymore. You know, we take a brain break. And instead of looking to see, okay, well, what can I accomplish during this frame break? Because sometimes, and this is weird because this is like a Thomas the Tank Engine quote. It's okay. <laughs> is, we, we, there's wisdom in this. <laughs> where one of the trains says, a change is, a, is as good as a break. So you can just shift, right? And it's, you know, you're not doing the same thing. So a change is as good as a break a lot of the time. And we forget that because I can step away from work and put a load of laundry in or empty the dishwasher and I'm still doing things, but I'm taking a break. And it's, you know, all of these little 
time sucks. Now it's going to be harder when the real world opens again. But <laughs> right now, when I am home-based, more evenings than not, I have everything done and the kids are in bed and I'm like, okay, well, guess I'll read this novel then. So Imagine. And like all of these people that have, I, I'm not trying to like poo-poo any person. But I, I, I find it easier to poo-poo people that are, are just, I just have no time at all. Everything is terrible. I, that is my least favorite kind of person. And I try not to, I mean, I, I try not to. And honestly, like if, if somebody was going to, like if one of my clients says that I'm going to genuinely work with you on how to find time, because I really want to help people. I really do. I have less patience for <laughs> people that will bitch and then you you offer this sort of mm-hmm. this sort of thing and no and they, and they take no action and i love a, a change is as good as a break because i think what people aren't getting is that you can you can fucking tire the hell out of your brain right and some people will waste hours i know people like this that will waste they have to get something done so they will waste hours staring at a computer or they will waste hours and it's like what do you what do you think you're doing like your brain is not going to produce a result and if it does it's going to take twice as long to produce that result because you're trying to force it when it's tired and it's overworked and it's not seeing the pathway clearly what you should do is go take a walk i can't i have to get this thing done i have to get it done right now i have to get it done right now motherfucker you're gonna be there five hours trying to get that thing done or you could take a 10 minute walk and it'll be done in an hour and a half like pick your poison like you can yeah or people get stuck in the the perfection cycle where they won't ever finish anything because it's not good enough and then they just get stuck that you know I've, i've had this project i've had to complete for three weeks but it's not perfect and i can't i'm like why just send it on. Somebody will tell you if you screwed it up. You're you know, like, people like to tell you that. They'll, get, they'll, they'll, they'll let you know. <laughs> They're going to let you know. They're going right. to, they will. Yeah. Well, what is perfection? Like, so that's, that's another good thing. It's like, what is perfection? Who made that up? Like, I, not rhetorical. I, I don't know, but I see it a lot. There's a lot of my students who are like, oh, I'm not ready. I'm not, this, this poem isn't ready to submit. I'm just not ready. I want to, I want to fix it a little bit more. You can't wait until you're ready or you will never do anything. Like you can't, you can't wait. And I've been telling this to myself because I have taken the idea that I said, I need to build a new website and I want to do this course. And I had that idea in August and it's live now because I knew if I kept waiting and making it better, it would never get done. So here is my time. I'm going to do it. I set a deadline. I made it happen. Is it going to be perfect? Probably not, but that's okay because it's done. It's out there. It's done. It's in the world. I have a friend, <laughs> uh, a, well, person I, I, more of an acquaintance, but I'll, was, was here in New York with me for a period of time. We worked at the same job together and now she is a seven figure entrepreneur. Her name is Courtney Foster Donahue and she's brilliant. And she says beta now better later. That's like her line. I don't know if she's trademarked it. So I am going to quote her appropriately because I think it's one of the greatest lines. And she is, she's a, and and what she specializes in is online courses and creating online and putting it out there. And we'll say that to, to her students, beta now, better later, because I'll tell you what, I'm looking at you. We're having this conversation. I've wanted to create an online course for, oh, about a year. And is there one that exists on getthefuckoff.com? No. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know why? Because my dumb ass has not put an imperfect product out. I put a lot of imperfect podcasts out, but I do not, I have not put out this imperfect product. And it's because I get stuck in analysis paralysis. I think, did you mention mm-hmm. that? And when we were emailing about analysis yeah, paralysis? Yeah, I love that because it's such a, a problem for people. And, and it's, you have such a great example when, you know, you, I'm going to get healthy and I'm going to start exercising. And then I get stuck because I don't know what I want to do. Well, just pick something and you can fix it later. It's the same thing with, with writing too. People will tell me, I don't, I don't know what I want to do. I'm like, well, just pick one, take a course, write something, figure out what it is. I mean, you can send it out and have it get rejected and then take it back and go, Oh, actually this is supposed to be an essay. I know that now and I'm going to fix it and go with it. But you, you're, the time is going to pass anyway, right? It's it like is. people who are afraid to go back to school because it's like, oh, I'll be 40 when I'm done. So you're going to be 40, God willing, anyway. <laughs> you're going to be 40 anyway. God willing. Yes, you're going to be 40. I have a, I know a bunch of people actually in their 40s that are on this whole, oh, well, it's too late for me. Okay. So <laughs> do, you, do you plan on dying tomorrow or are you going to, are you going to make a change? Like people are afraid of re- rejection. They're afraid of, of things being, I can't tell you how much imperfect shit I put out onto the internet. Like, I don't even know, like have the like, early <laughs> podcast episodes. I'd say the first 20 were just, all right, well, let's just talk. Let's just see. And some of it landed <laughs> with people and some of it was crap and that's fine. Um, right. You know, it's just, that's how it's going to be. You were actually, okay. So your course, we've talked a lot about your course, but I love, and I love how a lot of it applies to different situations. A lot of it will apply to, I know you're a writer and I have had a few writers now on the podcast. And I I think it's just because I I'm a writer. So I connect well with writers, but I really think that these are just basic to apply to all of us because you're saying um, some different things. And I think immediately of different people I know in my life that do not do not do anything creative at all. You were talking about mindset. What specifically about mindset do you talk about in your course? Like, is it to do just with the process or is it to do with like self-worth or what, what areas do you really cover with that? I know that you said that was the first chunk of your course. Yeah, it's, it's the first chunk. A lot of it, I think is priorities and aligning your values and your priorities and your actual actions, because it kind of bleeds into the time course a little bit, because I think that's where we get stuck is we get stuck in this mindset that we have to do everything the way we've been doing it. You know, how can I add something to my life? Well, maybe you can't right now because you have to drop stuff that you don't actually care about to get this time back into your life. You know, we are not here to, to fill every single hour with something. And I, I hope that people aren't getting that impression, but it's not what I'm saying because I think we, we spend a lot of time doing things out of comfort and a sense of obligation that really, when we step back and we think about, is this like a core value to me? Do I really care about this? And is this a priority to me right now? Because there's different seasons, right? Mm -hmm. And we can want so much to, you know, write a book or run a marathon right now. And it's a huge desire we have and we really feel called to do it. But there are certain, certain points in your life where it's just not going to happen, right? No matter how much you want it to happen, there's just other forces going on. And to be able to kind of give yourself that grace to let go and say, okay, I'm going to keep that on my, my radar for later. But right now just isn't the time. 
And it's not because I'm not making the time. It's because there's other forces and I have to give myself grace. And so we talk a little bit about that, where you know the difference between giving yourself grace and making excuses because (laughs) there's a difference, right? And you know, and it's being honest with yourself because you know, every time that you say, oh man, I didn't get to that. And I, I didn't have time to do that. A little voice in the back of your head is like, mm-hmm. and how long were you on Instagram last night? Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you know and when it you're bullshitting yourself, you know, <laughs> you do. And then, you know, when you don't, when you genuinely don't have time, I, I was this weekend, I work on, on the weekends at a, I, I do part-time work on the weekends bartending. I work at a wedding venue that's usually one day a week. Uh, but this weekend, a lot of people got married. So we had three weddings back to back to back. These, these weddings are motherfucking physical. So last night, I, I just, I just couldn't edit, edit my, my podcast last night. Like, I, and I like it to be out at 12 AM for Monday. Well, this Monday it got out at, at three o'clock. So when you guys are listening to the podcast, just, you know, it's obviously recorded at a, not at the day that you're listening <laughs> to it. So you'll get an idea of when I recorded this podcast, but I just, it just wasn't happening last night and I wasn't making excuses. It was because I was, it was, I was just dead. Like I just, I just couldn't do it. I was tired. And so I got up today and I did it. And that's, that's like, okay, I'm giving myself grace. Like I'm giving myself grace that I'm a little bit late. Not, I spent all day yesterday at bottomless brunch and then, mm. you know, commented on some political posts on, you know, cause people love to do that. They're, 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 <laughs> they're busy on their, on their phones, commenting on their friends, yes. Facebook posts. Someone on the oh. internet is wrong, right? <laughs> yeah. That whole, that whole thing. I hate that. I, I don't, I don't hate it. It's that I, I think a lot of people will find a lot of time to do that mm-hmm. and not so much time so, so it's just knowing the difference. Like, are you genuine, genuinely giving it the best that you have, that you, that you can while taking care of your health and well-being? Like, are you, are you prioritizing your sleep, your nutrition, your, all those basic core things? Cause it's not a load of shit that Maslow's hierarchy, that's real. So like, you right. really do have to take care of the base things first. And if you're doing that, and then you're at a place where you're just, you're, you're genuinely too tired or you generate, then maybe, yeah, you're going to take a couple of hours and you're just going to chill. And that's, that's different than just fucking off and people get confused. And I think it's important what you said about you're not saying to occupy every single second of every day, because what I've learned about people is they're so fucking literal. And I hope that they get to the point of this podcast where they realize that this is all just like, hey, yeah, maybe I do use this 15 minutes on my lunch break to do this. And that's so I can watch TV for three hours, should I so choose? Or if I don't want to watch TV for three hours or read a book, or if I want to go out with my husband, or if I want to go to an event with my children, like, or if I want to do this is, that is why, you know, you might choose to occupy. Mm -hmm. So yeah, priorities, priorities are really important. Giving yourself grace, so important. People don't like to do that. They like to punish themselves, you know? (laughs) Well, yeah. And, you know, like speaking of Andy, I I don't know how many of your listeners care that you were late today. 
right? Like you're beating yourself up about it, but like how many people are really going to care that the podcast was that late, right? Like I know it's a personal thing for you, but you have to let go of that a little bit too. <laughs> I do. I do. I have a very much about being on time and I was late to this call by two minutes and then I was all kinds of, but I do beat myself up. I am also human and I need to give myself grace about that. And I think people, people really should be better about it. Like a lot of people that are dropping their bad habits are like, oh, I, I fucked up here. I fucked up there. Okay. Yeah. That's, you're doing a real good job motivating yourself there, buddy. Like <laughs> you, yeah, I, I'm trash. Great. Right. Right. <laughs> you know? And I think a lot of that too comes back to kind of like a, a fixed versus growth mindset, right? Because if you're growing, you're going to screw things up. It's just how we grow. Like <laughs> you're not mm-hmm. going to be perfect as you are trying to reach like a higher plane of existence for yourself. And your fixed mindset is going to keep you doing the same things all the time that you've been doing. And then you're not going to, you know, that's where you get into perfectionism and, and blaming your circumstances and, and doing the same thing that you've always done. You see this in like diet culture all the time. Like, well, this one diet didn't work. So let's try the other one okay, that makes so much sense to just switch out one failure for another. But when we grow, growth is, is messy and it's tricky and it feels weird because we haven't done it. And getting to that point, you have to be willing to screw up to get there. You do. You do. And I know, you know, I, you knew me at a point in my life where I was, I was very fixed mindset, very angry, very, I'm sure that you remember, I wish everybody would forget, but they're not going to. So here's how that's just how it's going to be. I was fixed mindset probably until about three years ago. I grew up learning that and it never, and I had to unlearn it and it, it took a really long time. And I didn't even really truly unlearn it until I would say probably the the end of 2019, beginning of 2020. Cause even though I had changed a lot of things about my body, I hadn't changed my job. I was still, and I've watched people like you for 10 years. And, you know, it started in the beginning with everyone that I knew that was always growing. I had that, that jealousy and kind of animosity towards not you, but I mean, like just, just people in general, people that were growing, I, and this is probably in my, this is, I mean, like in my twenties. So mm-hmm. as, as you guys know that, listen, I'm, th- I'm going to be 36. So this is in my twenties, in my twenties, I was like this. And then as I got older, I began to be very happy for people that, that grew, but I didn't know how to do it. Like, so it was like, I'm really happy for all these people, but I don't personally know how. And that continued until my early thirties. I mean, still, I was very happy for others. I still couldn't do it, but I didn't know. And then finally I realized after a while that, oh shit, growth is painful. Growth is messy. Growth is uncomfortable. Everything about growing feels hard. Everything about growing feels like, like gives you anxiety. Everything about growing is, is all about that. And as I learned those things, I started making friends with more people that were of that growth mindset. And we would have conversations like the one you and I are having. Yes. And have you always lived in that? I know you talked about your mom. Have you always operated with that sort of mindset? I've tried. It's hard. I mean, it's really hard to, to do that. And I am mostly an introverted person. So it's harder, I think, for, for those of us who aren't super extroverted. Uh, and, you know, my writing practice has really helped me. but. 
I have been blessed with really great parents. And one of my dad's catchphrases was always, you need to ask for what you want because the worst thing they can say is no. And you have that now. Right. So just thinking like, okay, well you have to put yourself out there and it's going to be scary. and It's going to suck. And you might get told no, or you might not get what you want, or you might, you know, fall on your face or whatever, but you not doing it isn't going to get you anywhere. And, you know, I still struggle, you know, before this call, I was like, oh man, should I just cancel? Cause I don't know if I'm <laughs> worth talking to, you know, like I'm not immune to it, but it, it happens. And sometimes I hate that. Do you ever see that, uh, you know, like the memes that go around about the best feeling is like having plans get canceled on. Yes. That's my life. Oh my God. Like, like please. You think that. And then like, you're like, oh, wait a minute now it's gone. Right. And like, so it's like half, I get it. Cause I have had that feeling too, but then every time I sign up for something that I, I will always feel anxious about because I know it's going to like push me and I'm like, Oh, maybe, maybe something will happen and it will get canceled. But then when I get through with it, I realized like, Oh, I needed to do that. And it hurt. And it was scary because I had to do it because it was out of my comfort zone. Right. Yeah. We have a lot of here in New York, you would think that we're all extroverted, but we're not. We have more introverts here than I think anywhere. I mean, that's why you live among like 9 million other people, because then no one knows who you are. Like you're my neighbors. This is, this is a tiniest apartment that you'll ever see. And I don't, I mean, the guy that lives next to me, we've lived next to each other 10 years. We don't even talk. Like we don't, we don't, we're not neighborly. Like we're not, this is not a thing, but the, the idea of, I see this a lot with people like alcoholics are like this actually, like, and I learned this when I stopped drinking is that we generally shy from community and I, and we don't want to, we don't like community. And one of the phrases that one of my friends told me when I first got sober was I'll be fine. Once I get there, Mm -hmm. like just get there. I'll be fine. Once I get there. And I've learned that. And I, when things kind of like you before this call, I also have to be like, okay, just do it. Like I want to have dinner with somebody. And I was, I am that meme. I am. Oh my God. If they cancel, I'll be so happy. And I'm always the person that wants to make the excuse. And then I'm like, just do it. You will feel better when you do it. And once you do it, it's always good. And it is, it's always (laughs) just, it's, it's so like, that's growth mind. That's people. People always will just default back to what's comfortable. Yeah. It's comfortable to stay in your bed. And I never thought that at 36 years old, my bed would be one of my favorite places, but (laughs) it still is. And I can't live there. Like mm-hmm. to have a rich life, I can't, I can't live there in my comfortable bed watching the Golden Girls, although I would like to, <laughs> I, I can't. You were talking about how in your course you talk about finding community. And I know that that was one of the points I, do you want to highlight? I would like to highlight that. Do you, what do you talk about <laughs> like with that? Yeah, well, I, I think community is so integral to keep you going, right? Because no man or woman is an island and we need people who are like-minded and the best thing you can do if you really want to change who you are, what you do or what you've done in the past is to surround yourself with people who are doing that already, right? Like you need people already in it to number one, be a sounding board. Number two, to like show you ways through it. And you need those people. And it's so important. It's one of the first things I do whenever I have like a new thing I'm working towards. Like I, writing a novel was really scary. I never thought I would do fiction. I always thought it's too long. Fiction writers are weird. 
I'm not going to do it. And then finally I was like, you know what? I don't think I can live with myself if I don't try. And so I jumped in and I follow like all these writers on Twitter now, and I follow novelists on Instagram. So I make sure it pushes itself in front of me. So I'm just there. I don't have to seek it out anymore. I have a community I'm building it around me and it's all the people who are reflecting back to me, the person I want to be. And I think that's super important. And we really are kind of a mishmash of like the five closest people to us. Right. So you have to be, Mm -hmm. you have to think about who is in that circle and if that's who you want to be. And, you know, once you, and once you grow and you will, you have to also be willing to change that circle because you should never be the most accomplished or the smartest or the fittest person in the room, right? Like you need to get a new room if you're the best in the room, because then you're not going to challenge yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And and if you are, I mean, fine, then just, you know, re- renovate your house and have a couple of extra rooms because you do need to have, and I think there are a lot of people that are also do that. Like I, I, I talked about this with somebody, um, I don't remember when this is going back a little bit and about building other people up. And like a lot of people are in this mindset of, I want to shine the brightest, so I won't build anybody else up. And in reality, it's like people that are, that shine really bright, that are really successful. They're building people up all the time because they're, they are constantly knowing that they're expanding Mm -hmm. and they, they have people around them that they're learning from and they just are. And there is no, like, I don't want to say there is no, uh, there's no hierarchy, but it's like, you are, you're, you're not doing yourself a service to be in the the brightest shining star out of everybody and right. not allow others around you that are doing it better, that are doing it more like you want to do. Like you're just doing yourself a disservice. Mm-hmm. Like you, the, it takes all kinds and you shouldn't feel like you, like my father used to always say, I always hire people that are smarter than I am. And I never, <laughs> I never forgot that. And a lot of people won't do that. They'll, right. they'll keep people small so that they look good and they never look good. They never look good because you always want to empower people, people to be better. And you want to keep people around you that are, you know, in a, are doing things you want. It's so important. It's so it's, it's something I believe in. Yes. You have to, you have to bring others up with you, right? Like that's your responsibility. Once you, once you know what you're doing, you need to, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like a each one teach one type of scenario. And so you have to bring people with you. And then you also have to, if you want to get better, you have to, you have to, you know, play the tennis player who's a step better than you are because playing people who are at your same level, isn't going to let you grow as much as you need to. But you do make a great point that we also have to keep our hands out for the people who are coming up behind us. Yeah. And we, and we just, it's just all like a, a, a big, it's just, it's, uh, I want to say I'm trying to do a visual. You never try to do a visual when you're on a spoken word. You're on a spoken word podcast. You're like, I'm trying to paint a picture, but it's just not coming to me. You're the writer, but yeah, you do. And you do have to play the tennis player. That was a very, that was very good. It's also you as a writer, you're going to spend time in rooms with writers that could outwrite you. Right. Like that's yeah. just part of it. How are you going to get better? Like you're going to yeah. be as a coach. I'm going to spend time in rooms with people that can out coach me. I'm going to spend time in time in rooms the people that are gonna critique my performance yes (laughs) that's important feedback is good that's why i love rejection give me the feedback tell me what i can fix 
Oh, full circle. Full circle. <laughs> I love it. I am so, I am excited for all of the things happening. Can you please tell my listeners where they can find you, where they can find your course, everything? Sure. You can find me at shannonjcurtin.com and that's curtain c-u-r-t-i-n no a thank you and my all of my written work is there uh, my contact information and there is a link to my course there and because i am launching it now i have it at a discounted rate so get it in september if you can and you'll get a, get a budget-friendly version and yeah and then i'm on instagram and Twitter in some form or fashion. I think I had to add periods in my Instagram name because somebody jacked it from underneath me or something. So it, some version of my name is there <laughs> on Twitter and Instagram. So you can find me there too. Shannon follows me. So if you just, you'll see that she follows, get the fuck off and you'll be able to yes. find her. Definitely. I follow her also. So just search my followers and she <laughs> is there, but yeah, shannonjcurtain.com. You definitely finding the 25th hour. That's I, everybody is going to have 25 hours in their day (laughs) following, taking your course. It's so exciting. Do you have any parting words for the listeners? Well, you know, you know where to find me and I'm just going to remind you to look what you get rejected. Um, One of the things I do as a writer personally is I aim for a hundred rejections a year. And that's a thing in like the poetry community right? We, there's the whole Facebook group about it because if you are rejected a hundred times, you're going to get accepted sometimes, right? Like, so you have to just keep going and then it's a game. So try to collect rejections and see where, where your life takes you. I love it. Collect rejection. Try to collect rejections and see where your life takes you. It's perfect. (laughs) Shannon, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It was really awesome. Yay. Thank you. Wouldn't you just love to have 25 hours in a day? Shannon Curtin, if you get on her website and get her course, you're going to feel like you have a 25th hour because these are all nuggets of wisdom. So I'm so happy that Shannon was able to come on the podcast today. Guys, I hope everybody had a great Labor Day weekend. I will be back next week with another episode of the Get the Fuck Off podcast. In the meantime, if you would like to be a guest on the Get the Fuck Off podcast, you can email me, Andy, Andy, E-E, at getthefuckoff.com or you can find me on my website getthefuckoff.com where you can get on my email list. I email tips, coaching tips, mindset tips, all kinds of tips once a week so I can be in your inbox that way. And uh, I'm going to see you guys really soon for another episode. So take care, be safe, and uh, see you back here next time.